Hey guys, this is Leland with What Would Leland Do? And today I'm with my friend Alex and we're going to talk about uh, <clears throat> embracing your funk and uh, how that's the path to greatness and success in life, learning to embrace your funk. Let's get started. Alex, welcome to uh, What Would Leland Do? Thanks for having me, my man. I'm super excited. I'm actually like really nervous because... Uh, I like talking to you, and I'm, I'm excited, but uh, my, my heart's pumping a little bit, so. Oh, yeah? Yeah, dude, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but we'll, we'll get right into it. So, um, so the idea with this podcast is to talk about <clears throat> this idea that Josh Waitskin talks about called uh, Embrace Your Funk. So Josh Waitskin, for people who don't know, he was a, a world champion chess player and like a Tai Chi push hands. Uh, he, so he's been world champion in like a mental sport and a physical sport. Um, and he's worked with a lot of the, I mean, multi-billionaire, billionaire people who run hedge funds, um, and he trains them. And so one of the things that he has found when he works with top performers is that you need to learn to embrace your funk. So, uh, at the highest levels, there's like, there's this entanglement of, of genius and madness, uh, that all peak performers have. And he says that like, you know, if you're going to work with those people, you really need to understand sort of that entanglement and that's sort of what he calls embracing your funk uh did i summarize that okay yeah i think so it's uh it's not an easy thing to summarize yeah so um th that's the basic principles and so one of the things that i i mean I, i've got a basketball background so like <laughs> when i first was introduced to this idea i don't remember because i we played basketball growing up together but there's a, a player named uh ben flavin who played for lakeville oh yeah left-handed yeah, yeah the yeah. squarest elbow when so, he shot his jump shot <laughs> no so this is like a good example right so uh like with basketball or with anything like people say you need well-rounded skills and you need like to do a bunch of good things but ben he, he was left-handed. Everybody knew he was left-handed. Everybody knew that he wanted to go left, but he went left really, really well. That was like his funk. And he was super effective, like really, really effective. Hard really to guard, effective. Right. But everybody knew like what he was going to do, but he was really good at, at what his thing was. And I think that that's sort of one of the things that's, you know, around the idea of embracing your funk. Does that, does that resonate? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That dude was so efficient. Yeah. Yeah. He was going hard. He was sort of like a, I don't want to call him a pre Harden, but, uh, Oh yeah. That's a little too generous, <laughs> but I know where you're going with it. Yeah. Like sure. hard going left-handed. You got to stop. Um, there's a good quote, um, a basketball, one of the announcers I heard a while ago that was, uh, you have to stop me at doing what I can do best. And so like the sports <laughs> analogy is really good. Cause it's like, if you're, if you're a pitcher and you can throw a hard fastball, like, I'm going to throw my, pa my fastball until you prove that you can hit it, you know? And then if you're a lefty, I'm going to go left or I'm, I'm going to do my move until you prove that you can stop it. And then we'll play a different game. Um, but I think, so one of the reasons why I thought you'd be really good for this, cause you, I mean, you've got a, a kind of a variety of background, but you've done stand-up comedy. And I think that this is like a super important concept for people who try to get into stand-up comedy who are terrible and those who do really well. I think. Sure. Right. So um, what do you think about like sort of uh, comedians who do or do not embrace their funk? Yeah. I mean, as a, it's like a prerequisite you have to, it's the whole, so comedians will tell you that it's called finding your voice and it has nothing to do with like a goofy voice or the volume or, you know, it's none of that. It's a 
finding your voice is finding who you are as a comedian, what makes you tick, what makes you funny. And one of the only ways that you can be funny is to be completely authentic and to be yourself. So like Louis CK embracing his funk is kind of like the dirty stuff. And when he talks about his kids and he rips on his kids and calls them little assholes and stuff, he gets upset with things. Uh, I'm trying to think of other examples. It, it, it's tough now. Like Louis CK, I think was like, was probably at the pinnacle um, when he fell, so to speak. Right. But, but like, he's a really good example of, you know, um, you see some comedians who are, uh, are copying in some sense, other people's mannerisms and their jokes and like, yep. and, the, and the way that they deliver. And like, Louis C.K. has always had his own, like, you couldn't go do a Louis C.K. joke. You know what right. I mean? Same, like, right. But that's, I mean, most of the comedians are going to be that way. Like, the good ones. I, yeah, I mean, but even just the ones that make it, well, now it's a little different because Netflix has so many that they actually aren't necessarily super uh, mature, talented comedians yet. Delivery is Chris Rock's delivery. Dane Cook style is Dane Cook's style. Uh, Kevin Hart, you know, it's to find this. And if you're not being authentic to yourself, then I think you end If you try to copy somebody else, and then it doesn't work and it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I used to, uh, when I owned the bar, we did uh, stand-up comedy like once a week and it was like open mic, but it was totally noob like people. And there are some people who are pretty polished who had been around for a while who were good. Um, but it was, uh, and it's hard, you know, you have to learn, maybe this is the lesson that we can, one of the lessons we can pull away. It's like, you need to learn to embrace your funk. And if, you know, if you're going the comedy path, a lot of that's like, going up on stage and crashing and burning and learning, Oh, that, that didn't work for me or that didn't feel good. Or that's not like how I think jokes should play. Um, it's like, so, so one of the things I want to draw out is like embracing your funk is a dance and it's not like something that you can just be like, Oh, I'm embracing my funk today. And therefore I'm behaving this way. It's like, it's, right. it's an, it's an entanglement between like chaos and, uh yeah chaos and order <laughs> chaos and order and, and it's always changing it's not a stagnant thing yeah and there's a you know and there's the, the good example i mean uh you know steve jobs there's a lot of examples of people who who walk this line who have truly embraced their funk and you kind of have to give um not a not a middle finger to people who uh are are trying to mold you in a certain direction but you really need to know what makes you tick um yeah and embrace it because it's like uh it, it's not a hard it, yeah it's a it's a very challenging thing to do today i think well it depends on it depends on what you're talking about like i struggled with this through the podcast even the beginning of this it's like when you give a sports example it's so much easier you have such it was such a uh, automatic instant feedback loop on Doing, right i mean you throw the fastball and you get a strike and then that's an immediate feedback of positivity and so you're like well i can just do that again um in life you know whether you or if you think you talking about find funk in life and that's not throwing fastball the strike it can be years and 
it's like, how do you know that what you're doing is, is your funk? That guy, but I'm not as happy as that person. But why the fuck am I thinking about what other people are? It should all be intrinsic stuff. It's like a constant battle. Yeah, well, and you don't want to like. So I heard a, a one of quote the quote a quote I heard a long time ago was the path to enlightenment is uh, is discernment, and so like you need to be able to distinguish like the bullshit from the not bullshit, and that that's the most important quality is that like. And, and so I think with embracing your funk, it, it's a really good, you know, you can go do your left-handed basketball thing and you can say that, Hey, this is who I am and this is my funk. But if it's not working, um, you know, you need to like, there's a balance between saying, Hey, maybe you need to find a different funk or maybe you need to find a different approach and, um, and being stubborn, you know, and, yeah. and you can think about like artists, like, I mean, Kanye West is a, I think, I think he's a great example because um, he walks the line of like what pe people would perceive as like genius and madness. Um, and I also think he's become a super clever marketer for those who think that he's like crazy. It's like, well, he's in the headlines for a week and then he launches an album. It's like, you think yeah, that's you can't a deny it. It's like, right. you, think that, you think that's a coincidence, <laughs> but like, you can't deny Yeezys and what they have done to pop culture. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's people who have like who have learned to embrace their funk at just a super unapologetic high level. Um, and I think the thing that, that go ahead. Sorry, what the thing about Kanye though is that there's probably ten thousand people that were just as stubborn, and you know were just themselves, but they weren't talented enough to get anywhere. So they didn't embrace their funk because they weren't talented in that area. And so you know Kanye West is as well. So I agree with you to an extent, but like, so there's a, I, the, the last podcast I did was on, it was on goals versus uh, systems. And it was like, so uh, Will Smith talks about the difference between talent and skill. And so talent, he says like, is God given it's natural. So like you could say that LeBron had a LeBron James has a lot of anybody in the NBA, but LeBron James specifically has a lot of God given talent, right? Just, natural ability right but skill you only develop after like years of 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 pounding and harnessing and like working on your craft hours and hours and hours so like like kobe one of your favorite players right was super super skilled he put in a lot of work he refined his craft but talent uh is something of a different like category does that make sense and so like and so kanye like is probably both he was talented but he probably well like i know that i mean you could say that i know he he worked super hard to develop his skills his not just his like and I, i'm not talking about rap because i don't know anything about rap other than like he seems to have numbers that represent a large quantity of money and wealth and success <laughs> but um but he's developed a lot of other skills so he's learned business and he's learned marketing and he's learned all these things and he's learned them through the lens that is like Kanye you know what I mean and like that's like your funk is like how you learn things multiple things it's like how you embrace learning in general is sort of like the way that you are or your your beingness for example um and and I think so Kanye is a good example of somebody who's like you know it's not just music that he's embraced as funk but if you've seen like some of his marketing ploys 
like he's done i mean he wore small sandals and then he launched like <laughs> like a video that had giant everything like th- there's all these promotional gimmicks that uh, if you don't understand what he's doing you think that he's crazy but if you understand what he's doing you're like oh like that's a skill that's a promotion that's a launch that's money in his pocket and all of those five headlines that he just controlled all of the media um are all sort of like his weird like brand and his weird and and it's his way of embracing his funk at like i think at like a super high level um i would agree with that yeah and i and i and i don't want to like make the whole thing about kanye because i really like i i think he's a good example um of of somebody who's embraced their funk and uh yeah and is yeah i think he is too combination of madness and genius you know what this is this might be a little off topic so for you were telling me earlier tonight about um this business that's the people and if you just explained what kanye has done in through your lens why he's been successful and you actually walk people backwards through those marketing campaigns like start with whatever just happened and then walk it back to he wore these tiny sandals to the wedding or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> right. And connect those dots for people that will make them believe that you can do that for them. Cause I mean, I, I get that it happens, but I don't know what he's been doing. Yeah. But I do know who I saw a bunch of shit about him a couple of weeks ago. Well, and I think like, and this is what's funny too. In, in today's age, uh, and I don't like it, but like, so like, you have to understand that like, what are the rules that, that actually work in the world? It's not like the world that we would like the world to be in, but like what actually works. And so like the laws of persuasion are like the most effective ones. So in persuasion, like the first thing you need to do is capture attention, like no matter what. Right. And then after that, you need to like sell them or like get them to do something. But like most people aren't good at capturing attention. So anytime well it's hard yeah it's super hard but like anytime you see like something that steals the headlines that's a little bit weird and especially if there's somebody who knows what they're doing you're like that wasn't on accident like like and then so we can even unpack the kanye like embrace your funk thing he's got he's like he's toying with like his mental illness thing that's sort of his brain he's going to a wedding and he chooses to wear sandals that are way too small for him and it's like and and he's going to a wedding that he could have not been the headline for, right? right? He could have just worn normal clothes. But now all of the headlines, all of the attention is on him. The next, la- the next week, he posts some pictures about him having these giant sandals, which also control the headlines in that, in that like, little niche. Then the next week, he helped another guy launch a video where they all dressed in like giant things kind of spoofing on it. And that video had to have already been filmed and recorded. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it was, a, sure. it was a campaign. But it was also, like, his weirdness and his uniqueness that sort of, like, uh, brought it. So, again, I think we've been... Was the creative. Right? Yeah, and, it, and so I think people, I don't know, it's super funny because, like, I look at that stuff from a different perspective because I, I really like internet marketing and I, I see um, what things are trending and, and why. And it's like, dude, he didn't wear small sandals on accident (laughs) it's like people think that he did and it's like you know it's like yeah (laughs) well as as internet marketing is maturing and more people are trying to get into the space more people are talking about it more people are tracking more metrics on it um 
people who know what they're doing are able to see all these trends. And even the idea of going viral was uh, shot in the dark three, four years ago. And now pretty much everybody's like, it's just, there's a cost to it, you know? And there's still a little bit of creative as the variable going on, but yeah, well, you see the trends. Well, and I think this is even embracing your funk is like a good example for social media. Cause I've pushed off doing a lot of social media just generally. Cause I mean, I've been behind the scenes for a while, but like I really wanted to do something that is, is the most or as close to like the most me or things that I like talking about um, as possible rather than like, cause I could put out like a fake prasad sort of like success guru or like health guru or some, you know, some like guru on the internet and sort of like play that role. Um, but I think that if, especially nowadays, like the internet started where you could do a lot more bullshit, but now it's like, you need to be genuine. And if you're not genuine, eventually like your internet brand will crumble and your whole life, like not your whole life, but your whole brand will fall apart. And like, so if you start off from the beginning and with this podcast, I really wanted to do that. It's like, I want to embrace my funk as much as possible, but like talk about ideas that I think are super important for, um, I mean, for young people, like I've been in sales, it's like, oh, I talk too fast. It's like, that's totally fine. Like embrace your funk of talking fast. Like that can be your style. Comedy is the same thing. It's like, oh, I've got this weird little accent. Uh, just own it yeah have you ever heard uh have you ever heard schwarzenegger's stories about like how he got his uh movie gigs or anything like no so one of the deals that like most people go to auditions he never auditioned for any roles he's like you know i'm just i'm unique like so if they want me they're (laughs) gonna want me like i talk with this accent they try to get him to fix his accent and he like he's sort of like he's not half-assed it but he's like you know part of what makes me unique is is my accent and so if I For fix sure. that, then I'm, I'm just a strong guy. Um, and I think a lot of times people want to like round the edges. So they're like less unique and they should be. Well, cause they're scared of what other people are going to think about their uniqueness. It's so, it's so like authentic to yourself. It's so you that you get vulnerable over it. Right. Yeah. And being vulnerable, it's like most people don't like that, but it's, you know, um, yeah, I don't like the alternative is to not live the way that you want to live, which shit. I mean, it's probably fine. It's not like terrible, especially in America. It's like you're still well. You don't sit around and think like this isn't the way I want to live. You know, it's so it's never that black and white. You know it in your heart and your core. You know it, but there's a bunch of stuff that well, distracts and, you from. And and I think an important distinction would be that like the the embrace your funk. The idea is if you want to be a world class performer. If you want to be world class, right. it's different. Like if you want to live day to day, like I, I don't have advice or I mean, I, do, I don't have really like useful ideas for that. But like if you're trying to be. Right. Well, you're just not very interested in talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you but if you want to be world class or you want to like really excel, like you need to know your weird little wrinkles. Like everyone's got weird little weird little wrinkles. So one of the things I wanted to talk about that, that I think is super helpful um, is uh your anti-funk is what i wrote down so like there are um there are things that i've learned over the over you know just kind of life experience like there are things that i hate doing and if you have me do them i'll fail and so don't put myself or don't put me in roles in those organizations so like like admin work for example um if i'm the one that has to like dot all the I's and check all the boxes and like make sure everyone had their registration and make sure everyone's addresses are correct. Like I will not 
like I can't bang your head against the wall. Yeah, yeah. My, my, like my, I don't work that way. <laughs> like I don't know. Right. I don't, so, um, one of the things that Josh Waitzkin talks about is like you really want to limit your inputs, uh, to just things that are like within your realm of like your sweet spot or like your funk or the things that you do best. Um, and so like for I, I really like I like creativity. I like ideas. I like sort of you know, hey, we have a retreat coming next month. So it's like, how are, you know, 10 different ways that we can market it and how can we package it? Like, I, I like that environment. So I try to find myself in that environment as much as possible. Um, I guess for you, because you do a bunch of stuff. So I, I like to think that I know, like, what your funk might be. But like, how, hmm. how would you, um, if, you were, if you were trying to be world class, what do you like, what do you think about this idea for you personally? Yeah, take, take, something that I heard that take, take, take a drink <laughs> yeah well especially that's a loaded question man um I think that I have been battling what is my funk almost on the daily for sure on the weekly for like a year now um, so well just the I'm not happy with the job that I'm in um but the thing that I want to do is is so similar. Like I'm so close to it. I love the business model that we're in, but I don't like the company that I work for. And so it's just a, it's been a struggle of uh, what is like, what is my funk? So if I start this business, what is it about what I want to do? That's going to be different. What is it about me? And then is that special enough to make it successful? Yeah. And it's like, I listen to Gary Vee and I'm sure a bunch of your audience listens to a decent amount of Gary Vee. And it's like, is that shit for real? Or <laughs> like, I want to build a business on kindness. Oh, okay. Man. Is that just because he has pummeled that into my face so many times? Or do I actually truly believe it resonated? And am I seeing it in the meetings that I think that I am, you know? Yeah, I, um, I like Gary Vee. I haven't watched him a lot lately, but I think, um, I mean, his brand is sort of like that hustle, hustle, hustle. I might've told you this before, but he, he speaks at the event that that we go to and, um, he, uh, announced Vidsummer. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vidsummer. And he announced, yeah. um, he did, he announced the, his speech. He put on his podcast before Sarah had announced her pregnancy and Sarah had asked him a question, uh, about her being pregnant and Sarah Beth Yoga, her, her YouTube brand. And so he played it on his podcast and nobody knew she was pregnant. So like he, in a way, sort of outed her on YouTube <laughs> about her pregnancy. Um, That's funny. I really like him. I think that his, like, his funk is sort of like, it is hustle and fucking grind and like blah, blah, blah. And I like that. So one of the things that, that came to mind with this, I don't know if you know this, but John D. Martini has this idea of uh, your hierarchy of values. Uh, have you ever heard that term? I'm not... Sure. Okay, so like he, he explains your hierarchy values. So like your whole world gets structured according to your hierarchy values. So like, so number one might be family. So for me, family is number one. Sarah and I both have you know number one's family. Number two might be, uh, I don't know, might be <laughs> trying to think of things. Is it our... like a, is it a value or is it like well, could it be shelter okay, or so, food? No, so, or... so a good way to think about it is if you look at your bank account. Um, the things that you spend the most money on are the things typically that you value the most. And if you look at what you do with your time, the things that you spend the most time on are the things that you value the most. So a lot of times people think that they value things that they don't actually do it. So it's like, 
where are your feet actually moving? So for me, like I do value family a lot. Like our whole life is structured around, I, I bring Roman, I wake up with Roman in the morning. I bring him to uh, go with him to lifetime. I go with him to the park. Uh, you know, we work from home or, you know, we're, we eat family dinners together with our, with our two year old, you know, uh, we do that too. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no. So, and you might be a fan. You probably are. Family's probably very high on your hierarchy as well. So, but everybody should know their top three values. So like say that family is one of your hierarchy of values, uh, number one, and then say that, um, uh, options is another one or like, uh, flexibility might be like a good one. Right. So like, I like that's, sure. that's one for me. I, I like flexibility. So that's why I was a management degree because it allowed me to be flexible with whatever I wanted to do. Right. Um, yeah. What a joke all that was. Right. Well, so I don't know. It's one of those things. If you don't get it, where are you? It's like, if you don't take the medicine, are you dead or are you like, like if you don't get better, are you a little better? It's hard to, you know, it's hard to tell if you, where you would be if you didn't get the education. Um, I, I wear not having the education with a badge of honor. <laughs> well, all right. So anyway, so, so hierarchy of values, right? So everybody should know their three biggest hierarchy of values. But one of the things is like, those are real hierarchies of value. So um, if, if family is your number one, like you need to, if you're going to embrace your funk, you need to understand your hierarchy of values. So if making great music is Kanye's number one hierarchy of value and having good friends is number five. Everybody in that room, like, will know that eventually. It's like, he doesn't care about making me feel good. He only cares about this beat, so to speak. Right. Or, so good example, right? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan only cared about winning. Friends was not on his list in the top three. <laughs> well, and like, this is an important distinction between him and another person who's fighting for the great spot of number one. It's like, Th that distinction between values, what do you value most? Being friendly and being likable or ruthlessly winning? Because, you know, like, what do you value more? Not, not to saying that other people aren't, aren't ruthless, but um, if you'll sacrifice one for the other, what are you willing to sacrifice? <laughs> uh, but it's more about understanding yourself and, like, embracing your fun. Because if, if, if you know that winning is number one, it's easier to go forward because you're really clear minded about it. Whereas if you think that winning should be number one, but you care what your teammates think about you, um, you have Maybe a hard time. Win as much. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's when people talk about that entanglement of genius and madness. It's like you're pursuing greatness, but you aren't sure if you are more concerned about your teammates and your coach and what they think about you versus winning the game or doing the right thing. And that gets a little bit more complicated with, you know, you don't want to burn bridges. You don't want to piss people off. You don't want to outshine the master, which is the last podcast I did. Like you don't want to piss off your teammates. Um, so if I was going to parallel that into to a business conversation, I would say you, do I want to make my customers happy and successful or do I want to maximize my profit and as much money off them as I can? And that's a tough balance. Cause what if, cause you can, cause like say is, make them successful in the software that I and sometimes I wonder if I would almost do that to a detriment of the finance side of it into so let me tell you, you tell yourself it doesn't matter it's an investment in term you're going to make more money by having the happy customers and having references and people keep 
No, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Did we break the app. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that Google showed us down. So no, so I wanted to. Uh, um, so I work with a coach, and he told me this story. He's a hypno- hypnotist. So and he works with tons of people. I don't know if you know this, but uh, hypnotherapy is one of the number one ways. It is the number one way to cure uh, sn- smoking by far. Like it's the number one by far. And hmm. um, and he's like, I can cure them in one session. Right. And this is related to your business, uh, your business analysis or analogy. It's like I could cure them in one session, but they think that it takes six sessions. And if I cure them in one session and they think that it takes six, it might not work because of how hypnosis works. Right. It might, huh. it might not work. It's like yeah. so. And he goes, and if I cure them in one session, then I can only charge them one time for my hourly rate of one hundred and fifty dollars an hour. And it's like so you're left with this dichotomy of, of helping them versus making money and, and giving them what they want. Right. Uh, so if they think that it takes six sessions or they think that it takes more sessions, um, that's okay. As long as that's what they want or they think that they need. But, but it was an interesting analogy. Cause I never thought about that. I was like, uh, I, don't know how I would, what I would do in that situation. I could cure you in one session, but you think that it would take six and it will take six times as much money to cure you and six times as much time. Uh, it's an, it's an interesting analogy, but it breaks down to the first thing that he says. What's that? I can cure, I can cure you in one session. Well, can you or can't you? Because I think what he's saying is I can cure you in one session, but because you already have a preconceived notion coming into this that it's going to take six or more than one session, then I have to give you six in order for it to work for you. And if that's true, then his first comment of I could cure you in the first session is invalid. Yeah, well, the other thing, too, that like, I mean, that you would want to consider, it's like, is there a profit motive? It's like, do you want to make a bunch of money? And if you want to make a, make a bunch of money, like, um, yeah, it's like, how do you, <laughs> how do you, business realm, how do you embrace your funk or do you do, do the, do the Gary V route and, you know, really love your customers and do that and, and have a high profit margin. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Uh, yeah, a little, little bit derailment on the uh, on the topic. Well, I think, okay, so to bring it back then. So for me to be, what I think right now, embracing my funk would be to stop procrastinating and start doing more things like this, like podcasting, doing uh, software demonstrations and putting them out into the world and starting this business and filming it as this is what a business looks like when it starts. Cause I deal with small companies and that's one of the things that I love about it. So for me to truly embrace my funk, I think that's what I should do. And my allowing my uh, comedic background and voice and kind of lightheartedness to be my funk, that would be kind of a differentiator. Cause I think that would actually be interesting for people to watch. If that makes sense. Yeah, no. And I, I, yeah, you, you should totally use your, your, like, be funny, right? Be funny, be different, be, I shouldn't be, see, be funny, be different. Be yourself as much as possible. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, um, yeah, it's an interesting balance because I think if it, all of the, 
I could probably list a bunch of people that we play basketball with who all had sort of an interesting entanglement of like of genius and madness, but um, it's knowing how to navigate your own personal terrain. Like, like, so for example, and I, I'm, we're not going to get into like a huge psychoanalysis here, but like, you know, the fact that you haven't done what you say you're going to do, maybe that's not your funk because your funk might be something that you do all the time automatically, no matter what, like you never miss a day, so to speak. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so it could be doing that in a different way, or it could be like, like, so with your hierarchy of values, right? It's like, if you were to look at your bank account, what are the three biggest things that are, that you spend money on? Like for me, it might be, you know, family rent, dude, our food budget is ridiculous, but we, you know, we eat super healthy, but like we value food and health, right? So Health is one of our hierarchies of values that's, that's really, really high. Um, but a lot of times people who want to be good performers, um, and this is what happens with people like Gary Vee, and I'm not saying that this is you at all, but uh, it could be you. So, <laughs> uh, no, but like, so you, you, uh, you embed other people's values onto your hierarchy structure. So you embed what, they, what their funk is onto what you think your hierarchy should be. So you start valuing posting on social media every day versus creating awesome content all the time. Or like, like, you know, Seth Godin, Seth Godin's like a masterful marketer has a total opposite approach of Gary V. He like, I mean, I mean, he does writing. He doesn't, you know, rarely does video and, and he just has like a, a high quality. I mean, just not, I mean, not hustle. It's like niche down. Um, Niche, niche, niche. I mean, it's just, it's different, but it's, it's his fun. Right. Like they're, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like what, what ends up happening is people confuse the people that are our mentors with the, like, I used to do this with Tony Robbins and this is probably why I ended up buying a bar <laughs> was because I was like, just fucking go for it, man. Go, go, go. And you go, 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 but you're going on the wrong ladder, so to speak. And if you climb like somebody like you, who's really smart and successful, like, if you end up climbing the wrong ladder and then you realize that ladder's up against the wrong building, it's like, shit, like now what do I do? And then most people are like, well, I can keep climbing the wrong ladder, but going up, or I can climb my ass back down and then find a, like a different ladder and never run like, and that's where people find themselves like very often when they're like, this isn't what I want to do, which is sort of like a, I'm not embracing my funk type, you know, uh, awakening. For sure. It's like exactly what it would be. Um, so, so I told you my anti-funk, my anti-funk's like administration work, uh, boring stuff. And I, and my, I super, I really like creative work. Uh, I call it creative, creative-ish planning, uh, mapping out ideas. I like that type of stuff. So, but what do what do you think your, uh, like, what is your anti-funk? If somebody was to put you in a job or offer you a job and you're like, Hey, like, thanks, but, um, like, that's just not who I am at all. Um, hmm, that's an interesting question. I go, two, I go two ways. The first thing that comes into my mind was um, not being allowed to be in a creative space. Um, like, like no flexibility or no uh, autonomy? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's not wrong, but, like, 
ideas for whether it's marketing or sales or just to better the business or ideas about the market or, you know, whatever, just having ideas to better the business and not being, uh, not being heard, you know, or being put into somebody else's creative box. So like everything that you come up with, as long as it matches what I already want, then I'll use it. But if it's not what I already believe in, then it's no good. Sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So I, I hate that. And then I'm not in my funk at all when it comes to when it comes to telling a customer that you're going to do something for them. And then there's conflict in what's being delivered. And you're just you're saying that I'm right and you're wrong regardless. And you're just not working together. So like, I mean, maybe even customer service. Yeah, I would say that's what it boils down to. So, yeah. So, and I, <laughs> this is super funny because, like, Sarah and I are just learning a lot of this stuff. Like, we we talk about it a lot, but it's different between embodying it and, like, the real world, you know? So, uh, so I'm working for her business, and now we built these pages, and now the people who did uh, who did customer service before, so say that somebody wants to buy a digital product and they can't download it, and they're like, uh can't download it on my on my Mac or on my Android phone or on my Fire Kindle right. or like <laughs> yep, whatever it all is, these yeah. millions of, yeah, all these millions of things. So now those emails come to me. And so one of the first things we, we like knew and she I didn't even have to tell her. It's like it's like Sarah, we can't have me doing this. <laughs> because and it's not and it's not that like I'm capable of writing a good email, you know, but what I'm not capable of doing is like allocating my time to something that like, if I had 10 of these in the inbox, it, like, it would be a disaster. If I had 100, you know, you just, you don't want me doing, you don't want me in that role, right? You want me in a different role. Uh, but part of, like, knowing in, knowing your funk or being able to embrace your funk is, like, being able to say no to things that you're, like, that's not a good fit for me. Uh, I, like, I will fail if if you have me do that or that would be bad for your business. Um and it's great because you're married and I'm married, but uh, Sarah starts, you know, understands uh, things that I'm really good at and things that I'm really bad at. Right. And uh, it's a good, it's a good lesson um, to try to keep, keep me in my sweet spot as much as possible. Yeah. <clears throat> you have to, that reminds me I was, I'm a terrible at directions. Like, yeah, I definitely don't know North, South, East or West while I'm driving, but just like, I just never remember where things are. Are I've just always grabbed my phone, and that's what I use to get to where I need to go. You know, so one time I was I got lost. I think Bridget and I were I don't know probably married for a year or two, and I got lost, and she was in the car, and she was getting all pissed, and I was like, um, "I'm gonna get lost again and again. I always get lost. It doesn't bother me, but like you aren't allowed to get mad about this because." you know that this is me and you know that this is what I do and you know that I'm going to do it again. And so you just can't get mad at me for it. Or, oh, that's what I said. Or you have to make the conscious decision right now that this is going to happen again. And that every time it does happen, you're going to get pissed at me. <laughs> you know, cause you're like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, then you're not allowed to be mad. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I'm, it's so funny. I'm, I'm very much like you. I, when we moved up to uh, like North Denver, uh, I use my iPhone to get to work every day for like the first three or four months 
And my boss asked me one day, I was staying late, and he's like, he's like, where do you live? And he's like, well, how do you get there? <laughs> and I literally had no, I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, it's almost embarrassing, like, you know? Oh, no, it was totally embarrassing. I was like, ah, it's like you go over the bridge, and then you turn right. But, like, what I do is I put my headphones in, and I listen to a podcast, and it tells me when to turn. Me too. And I would prefer if my car could drive me home so I could listen to my podcast and, like... Take notes. I don't know, massage my feet or take notes. Yeah, like, you know, drink a soda or have a cocktail. Like, it's not... And if everybody's cars were driving themselves, it would be even better. All right, so the last piece I wanted to talk about was... uh, uh, so it's the idea is that you want to embrace your funk. Uh, what characteristic makes unique you unique? Uh, but then you want to build on it. And so, um, and I, I had a hard time thinking about this for me, but it's like, what is my like one unique characteristic that I've built on? That's like sort of made me successful or not that I would be successful. Uh, that has made, that is like, help me build my character. Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? So uh, I have an answer, but I was wondering what you would say. Uh, what's a what's like the cornerstone for you uh, of, you know, what makes you unique? What's one of the characteristics that that you sort of build on when you look at acquiring new skills or or building out your character? Ugh. I think it's like I, w- I wish I had a care. I wish I hadn't answered this question. It's well, like I am ro- I'm rock solid. Nothing, fr- you know, I'm not scared of anything. So I just, you know, blah, blah, blah. anyway, so go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I would say that I am happier making somebody else happy than making myself happy. So, like, yeah. And, and I think that most people this is true for, um, but it goes beyond like, you know, whenever you do something for somebody else, you, I mean, it releases chemicals in your body and you feel good about yourself. You know, there's no doubt about that. But there's a difference in every, in every situation of my life. I'm pretty sure I am happier um, doing something that I should be less happy doing because it's what somebody else wants to do. And I always go back to when I was like, I don't know, I was a little tiny kid and I was at a fire and I think my sister came down and I had this really comfy chair that I had brought these special pillows down for, you know, and she came down and I immediately asked her if she wanted the chair and, you know, I had put the work into building it. So she was like hesitating on sitting down and she didn't. And I sat there and I was like, it's weird to me that I would be happier sitting over there on that really uncomfortable folding chair, knowing that my sister was in a really comfortable chair because of what I did than me actually sitting in the comfortable chair. And that has yeah. held true in like every situation in my life. Yeah. And so, man, that's awesome, by the way. Um, and I think that that's one of those things that it's like, okay, so as I, as I go forward building on my life, I know that it makes me happier to make other people happy than, and I, you know, and I, like I relate to that a lot. It's like I'm I'm a generally pretty happy person, so I, I like seeing other people become happy. Right, because most people aren't happy. So it's like I'm already so much happier than you. I'll for sure lose some happiness to give you some. Like you need some, you know. You've got happiness yeah. to give. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's like yeah, and I can help you if I'm in, you know if I'm in the right situation, I'm able to help you, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. So no, I <laughs> that's super funny. Um, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I like that. I think so. Um, 
I don't know what my unique characteristic that I would like build off of is. Um, I'd be interested to see what my wife yeah. is. I I'd feel like so. In asking mine too. Yeah, one of the things that I learned when I was uh, younger. So my grandma sent me. Um, so the, there's a couple books that like were everyone's got books right that have, have changed their lives. My grandma sent me a Rich Dad Poor Dad when I was in high school or when I was in college. Okay. Uh, the first the first Rich Dad Poor Dad book. Are you familiar with that at I'm all? I'm not. So it's uh, Robert Kiyosaki. He's awesome. Uh, good thinker. He said that it's better to. He, so he the whole the, the whole premise is that he had a rich dad and a poor dad, and that his real biological father was his poor dad, and it was like he was a specialized teacher. So he worked at a high level. He was like a high level biology teacher, and he ended up getting laid off. And um, and then he had a rich dad, and the rich dad was his friend's father who owned a bunch of businesses and real estate in Hawaii. Okay. And he decided when he was younger to listen to his rich dad's advice for finances rather than his poor dad. So his rich dad's advice, uh, one of the things, and this is what I think I've, I've, I've built a lot of my character off of was he said, it's better to know a lot about, uh, excuse me, to know a little about a lot of things than to know a lot about one thing. And uh, rather than like be specialized in one thing. And I feel like I really like knowing a little bit about a lot of things. And so, and a lot of things within my little world, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's like, it's like, you know, you could go forever out and be like, yeah, you don't know shit. It's like go on Google. It's like, you, <laughs> you don't know anything, but I know a little bit about a lot of the things within my world. And so like, it's cool to be like, I understand how things are connected and I like philosophy and I like business and I like uh, psychology and I like, but I don't know a lot about them. I'm not an expert in any, in any of them. Um, but I like seeing the interconnectedness. And I think that that might be like, if I was to say like, I'm embracing my funk and I'm building off of it, I sort of have a, uh, yeah, just a way that I'm, looking at building different skill i don't know yeah that, that that's as close as i could say is a skill that i'm building on is i know a little bit about uh maybe a lot of things because <laughs> you're just interested in so many different things mm. yeah i like yeah i like psychology i like marketing some of the stuff's like with sarah i, I do a bunch of marketing for her and um what if uh, what if you were at a party and a guy is an engineer for and like invented the concrete mixer portable table and he was going to tell you about the design of that would you be interested in getting into the detail of that or would that be boring yeah so i'm generally interested in everybody yeah okay that's what i was yeah. getting at but, exactly but, yeah so but part of it's i think that people are super interesting and i think it's fun to talk to him like that guy it's like talk to him see if i can help him out right it's oh you've got this awesome idea like I'm pretty good at YouTube marketing. Let me figure out how you might be able to do. Oh, it's like oh that does or does not work. Oh, that's so cool. Tell me about. I mean, I'm. I generally am super interested in people. Uh, you know, so. Um, yeah, I think people have a yeah. hard time. The only time that an individual is not interesting is if they're unwilling to actually open up and talk about something. 
you know, if they're just giving you that little small talk conversation, then that person is not that interesting. But anybody on the planet who's willing to tell you about their life and tell you about how they're feeling about something and tell you the truth and be real with you, there's nobody that's not like, I don't, I don't know if fascinating is too big of a word, but I think it's appropriate. I don't think there's anybody that I wouldn't be fascinated to talk to and listen to that. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think generally people are super interesting if they're honest. Um, I mean, Jordan Peterson, one of my favorite authors right now, talks about that. He's like, if you really just listen to them and they're honest with you, um, you know, it's, you know, hey, my son's doing this or my business is doing that or, you know, my wife or my cousin or my family. Like, there's all this stuff that's super interesting. And I'm, um, but I think you like me, you like me, uh, I like when other people are happier. So generally you think I might be more interested in other people. Uh, also. Um, yeah, but I also like, I don't know if it was like, my mom is totally a, I mean, my mom would bring, you know, 10, pa- <laughs> 10 pounds of candy around to the school and just like give it out to people at the high school. Yeah. Uh, so it's deeply embedded in my genetics is, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think my mom, my mom is not that way. My dad was. Well, um, all right. So I don't think we had one more note here. Hold on. Relationships. Insanity. No. All right. So I think we're good, man. Embrace your funk. Is there anything else that you want to say about, uh, you know, people embracing their funks or maybe how they can do it or uh just thoughts in general i just i i would just say do it you know i mean whatever you whatever you think your funk is just start doing it and if it doesn't feel right you'll know it and then try something different um i have mad respect for anybody who is just themselves and um is just trying to live the life that they want to live and not the life that they think they should be living yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's an absolutely great note to end on. So uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate you uh, being on the podcast. Yeah, anytime. I appreciate you Let me be. This is my first podcast. Uh, see, I, I love that. Um, guys, like, subscribe, uh, share the podcast, and uh, we'll do another one. Thanks, Alex. Cool. Thanks, Dave. Bye.